welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. Arizona Republican Senator Jeff Flake spoke in support of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh yesterday. When you've been a circuit court judge for 12 years, you're going to have a long paper trail. It'll just take them a long time to get all the papers together, but uh, nothing stands out as an obstacle right now. He's a solid pick. Joining me is William Busby, a professor at Georgetown University Law Center. Bill, one of the things that's been mentioned prominently about Kavanaugh is that he's an opponent of government regulation. He voted to strike down rules issued by the Environmental Protection Agency under Barack Obama. Tell us about his record on that. Yes, uh, you're correct, which is uh, Judge Kavanaugh, a very smart person, uh, from all indications, a charming person uh, when it comes to his kind of substantive leanings uh, in his rulings on the appellate court here, the federal appellate court here in Washington. uh, He has, in quite a few big cases, found a way, one way or the other, to hold that EPA in particular lacked authority that it had claimed. So does he usually side with business interests? Um, He doesn't usually focus that much on the kind of business versus environmental interest. He tends more often to focus on uh, agencies versus Congress or agencies and maybe versus the president. Um, But in his outcomes, I would say that he has, in general, um, you know, found that agencies do not have broad power, that you need to have Congress clearly handing power to agencies, and that tends to result in reduced agency power, which will often but not always mean little less in the way of regulatory burdens on business. But I should say it's not always that way, that there's a, a very recent decision he issued that has upset a multi-billion dollar industry where industry groups are hoping the Supreme Court will overrule his ruling. So how might his being the successor to Justice Kennedy affect a court that's already pro-business and where Kennedy ruled pretty consistently in favor of corporate over consumer interests? Um, you know, Justice Kennedy was certainly a quite conservative justice. I would say he generally voted in ways you'd expect for a conservative judge, kind of sometimes skeptical of government, often very solicitous of the interests of business. But he also was persuadable. And in a handful of the most important environmental decisions of recent decades, uh, Justice Kennedy was willing to protect people's ability to sue polluters or sue the government. He supported the idea that uh, the federal government could regulate climate change. Um, These were, he issued a very important ruling about what sorts of waters are federally protectable. And so Justice Kennedy, in the end, he really was a swing vote on some of the big regulatory issues. Judge Kavanaugh, when on the Court of Appeals, has been, I would say, quite a bit more solidly skeptical about agency regulatory power. So let's turn to Kavanaugh's view of presidential powers, which is coming under a lot of scrutiny. Opponents are pointing to, in particular, to a law review article where he wrote, I believe that the president should be excused from some of the burdens of ordinary citizenship while serving in office. And 
We should not burden a sitting president with civil suits, criminal investigations, or criminal prosecutions. Legal experts are looking at this in different ways. How do you view it? Um, well, first, it's a law review article, so obviously, in the <laughs> end, it is not itself a, a, a statement of the law. Uh, in that statement, he's pretty clearly talking about that maybe Congress should pass a law, or maybe even he'd be talking about a, an amendment to the Constitution that might give a president greater protections. In that language, he was not saying that he thought right now, um, at least as I've looked at it, it didn't appear he was saying that right now the president is beyond legal process. Uh, there actually have been several major cases going back to President Clinton and President Nixon in particular that in broad language have said presidents are subject to um, court's oversight and they are subject to being sued. And so uh, I, I view that his statement as maybe how he thought the law should go, maybe if Congress changed it, or again, if there were a constitutional shift. Um, what about his view of presidential power as expressed in his opinions over the last decade? Do you see a pattern um, there? You know, that, that I'm, I'm looking at, and others are as well, the... The court he sits on has a very heavy docket. That is, a high percentage of the cases involve regulations, that it's the main court where if an agency issues a big regulation, it is challenged. And so the cases have much more often dealt with issues of agency power and less often dealt with just the overall extent of a president's power. So I'm not as clear on that. Um, you know, I, I would say this. He's, he does talk a lot about separation of powers. He, he, um, he is, believes it's important for Congress to do what Congress does and agencies to do what they do. And for courts, he clearly thinks there should be pretty robust assertion of the court's function. Um, and so how that would play out is a little hard to tell. So I'm, I'm, I and others are digging into this and have not seen what I view as any clear bellwether cases indicating his general views on presidential power. This is tough to do. We have only a minute left. But so give me your your impression of what the biggest change on the court would be if he is actually succeeds Justice Kennedy. Well, I'd say the big difference is it's just voting patterns that he is a he would be, I believe, a much more steady very conservative justice, he would argue, I mean, I'm sorry, he would most likely vote uh, in a way very much aligned with what uh, conservative groups have been pushing on the court. Um, so I think, whereas Kennedy thought a lot about dignity and fairness and believed in environmental protection and that swayed him, I don't think we yet know if Kavanaugh will you know, look out for the little person. Right. Bill, we have, to leave it, we have to leave it there. We'll have you on again to talk more about Kavanaugh. That's William Busby, a professor at Georgetown University Law Center. The Trump administration missed the court order deadline to reunite all 102 migrant children under the age of five who were separated from their parents. President Trump gave his solution for the immigration problem as he boarded Marine One yesterday. Tell people not to come to our country illegally. That's the solution. Don't come to our country illegally. Come like other people do. Come legally. Joining me is David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. And, and David, uh, Trump also tweeted 
just a few moments ago that Democrats in Congress must no longer obstruct, vote to fix our terrible immigration laws. Now, I'm watching what is going on from Europe. It would be so simple to fix. Judges run the system and illegals and traffickers know how it works. They are just using children. So first, let me get your uh, opinion on how easy it would be to fix. Well, it would be pretty easy to fix, actually. We need to make legal immigration far easier than it is right now. If you want people to come to this country and follow the laws, uh, make those laws sensible and reasonable, don't make them wait 20 years like uh, people have to do in order to immigrate to this country for uh, family sponsorship and, and other reasons. And uh, that is the exact opposite of the approach that President Trump and his administration and his allies in Congress are um, advocating right now. The bills that have come up for a vote, all of them have cut legal immigration, made it more difficult for people to come to this country legally. And if you want to get rid of illegal immigration, the easiest thing and the best thing to do would be to make it easier for people to come uh, by following the laws. Let's turn now to what has uh, captured so much attention, which is the young children who've been separated from their families. Lawyers for the Justice Department told federal judge Dana Sabraw yesterday that only 38 of the 102 younger children would be reunited with their parents by Tuesday, which was the deadline. With all the resources of the federal government at their disposal, why aren't they able to bring just 102 children back to their parents? Well, they have uh, a litany of excuses. Uh, They say they are working through um, verifying that these parents are really connected to these children. And uh, that's partly because they had no mechanism in place to track children who were separated from their parents. So they had to work backwards through the process trying to figure out which children are supposed to be with which parents. And that's really a shocking discovery that, you know, astounded the court to such an extent uh, that the judge in the case pointed it out that this is, this is actually more, uh, a less rigorous process of tracking than they have in place for property that is being taken away from uh, migrants who come to the border. Uh, they actually have a system in place for tracking property, but not uh, for children being separated from their parents. So it's hard to imagine that. The judge refused to extend the next deadline. Almost 3,000 older kids have to be returned to their parents by July 26th. That's 15 days. How likely is that? And, and really, what is the penalty, the punishment for the government here if it says once again that logistics made it impossible to comply, et cetera, et cetera? Is there any deterrent? It doesn't appear that there's any uh, penalty that's going to be imposed uh, by this judge. I imagine that unless it becomes obvious that the administration is, um, you know, just intentionally flouting this requirement, that she will not uh, impose any kind of contempt uh, order, which would really be uh, what was necessary to get them to act um, expeditiously. Are they effectively returning to the catch-and-release policy that Trump criticized the Obama administration for over and over again during the campaign and and promised to eliminate? Oh, yes, absolutely they are. Uh, They're releasing uh, these families 
uh, with ankle bracelets, and they're going to monitor them electronically. Uh, this is what should have been happening this whole time, and what the administration repeatedly said, they couldn't do this, it was illegal, they were following the law, they had to separate these children. All of these defenses that we've heard uh, are now laid bare as the falsehoods that they were at the time. Uh, they can do this, they can monitor people, they can re- require them to appear in court and track them uh, through electronic means. And so there was never any reason for this entire episode to ever have taken place. So, David, what's happening now at the border as far as Trump's zero-tolerance immigration policy? What's going on to new new people that come with their children to the border? Well, uh, the official policy from the administration is we are not referring um, parents with children to uh, for prosecution unless there is a parent uh, available to take care of that uh, child. Uh, but otherwise, they are attempting to prosecute everyone uh, that comes to the border uh, illegally. So uh, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein and Republican Senator Tom Tillis both said that bipartisan negotiators are making progress on a bill designed to keep undocumented immigrant families together at the border while their claims of immigration are, are being uh, considered. Is there, is there hope for that bill? I would be very surprised at this point uh, if legislation came out of Congress, especially given how divided people are in this issue. Um, some members of Congress in the Republican side think that the family separation policy was great and it should have been continued. It was, in fact, even required by the law and do not want to see any kind of middle ground uh, approach to this. And then you have members on the Democratic side who are actually happy with the status quo. They, you know, the administration is now releasing these uh, families pending their court date. And, you know, that's the policy that they would favor. So there's no reason for the sides to come together um, on this and, and come to a legislative resolution. So, David, about a minute here. Forget about whether the the zero tolerance policy is right or wrong. Is it slowing down immigration to the border? No. Uh, you know, we actually have now two months of experiment uh, with the policy in May and June, and the numbers from the administration show that there was no change. There were about 10,000 uh, families who came to the border in uh, both May and June, and that was the same uh, level as uh, in the prior months in April and March when this policy was not in effect. And so uh, that's pretty good uh, evidence that uh, it's not having the tough deterrent effect that was uh, championed by some. All right. Have to stop you there, David. Always a pleasure to have you on. That's David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.